right. Good morning, Illuminate. Great to see you all as always. Hey, if it is your first time here, a special welcome to you. If you've got a couple minutes right after the service, I'd love to get to know you a little bit better. I'll be hanging down right over here uh, at the front of the stage. Also, on your way out, uh, if you want to stop by the lobby, there's a little sign that says new here. We've got a gift that we would love to place uh, in your hands as well. This is a really special morning for us as Pastor Chris mentioned because it's our local outreach, local global outreach Sunday. And we've got several of our ministry partners here, including Teen Challenge, alongside House of Refuge, other, others. This is an opportunity for us to really understand better the heartbeat of Illuminate. And so we've been discussing the future vision of the church for the last several weeks. We've, we've been using three words to describe that, bigger, smaller, deeper. When we say bigger, what we're talking about is expanding our influence for the kingdom of God. Another way of saying it is like this. We want to take a lot of people to heaven with us, amen? We want to take a lot of people to heaven with us. And so we want to be able to accommodate all those whom God is bringing across our doorstep. So as God continues to increase our number, it's also important for us to grow smaller. And by smaller, what we're talking about is connecting with one another, expressing the one another's of Scripture. That doesn't happen in a large context so much as it happens in a small context. That's where it happens best. Jesus employed small groups as the pattern of his ministry. Jesus himself was in a small group. I'm really happy to say that over the last month, we've added about 200 of you who were not previously engaged in small groups now are. Bigger, smaller, deeper. The idea behind deeper as we discussed last Sunday, we looked at Jesus' words surrounding what it means to be a disciple. That is the ultimate goal. You are on this planet, brothers and sisters, to fulfill Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. As Jesus was leaving, it's been said that a departing man's words or a dying man's words are his most important. What would Jesus say? What would the message be to those that he's leaving? He says, go. As you're going, as you're living your life, make disciples. What that means, it's important for us to understand what a disciple is. See, it's a call to be something, and then it's a commissioning to do something. So we looked at some of Jesus' more harder sayings last week. Basically, what he's saying is, a disciple is one who holds me as the object of highest affection. A disciple is one who, as the ancient rabbis said, is absolutely covered in the dust that I leave behind. You would follow Jesus so closely that your life becomes conformed to his life. That's what we mean by deeper. Now, the heart of discipleship is one of servanthood. Jesus talked about this a lot. And there's this, this uh, it's kind of a funny story. It's, you find it in Matthew chapter 20, where the mother of two of Jesus' disciples is having a conversation with Jesus, all right? And this is exactly what moms do, right? So mom goes to Jesus and, and says, hey, Jesus, um, is it possible for you to create a special place for my two boys? Like in the kingdom to come, if you could just, you know, if you could give my boys a, a special seat at the table, that would be great. Can you do that? And Jesus looks at her sons and asks them a simple question. He says, are, are you able to do what I'm about to do? What's he talking about? Well, what is he about to do? He's about to go to the cross. 
And of course, the boys say, yeah, Jesus, we're totally down for that. We are ready to do that. And in their minds, they're thinking, if we do that, then we get these places of special privilege in the kingdom. And then Jesus speaks right to the heart of the matter. And he says this in chapter 28. Even as the Son of Man, and that's a reference to himself, his humanity, came not to be served, but to serve. To what extent? And to give his life as a ransom for many. Anybody who claims, let me say this slowly, anybody who claims to have the very heartbeat of Jesus must be about serving those around him or her. See, from the very early days of Illuminate, five years ago, this has been our heartbeat. We've always wanted to be a gift to the city. You know, it's the idea that people around us may disagree with what we believe. They may say, you know, I, I don't agree with everything they, they teach or believe, but I'm really glad Illuminate is in our backyard. And in fact, I wish we had more people like them in our city because they do good and they serve well. I wish we had more like them. In fact, um, five years ago, it was really at our very first gathering, we decided that we were going to adopt some children in an orphanage in Haiti as well as provide basic necessities for refugees in our own city. And the actual gathering spot or the, <laughs> or the collecting place at that time was my garage. I'm throw a picture of that. This is my garage, and this was Illuminate's very first collection for orphans and refugees at our very first gathering. Why do we do that? The things that you read on our walls, generous living, redeemed lives, adoration of God, community together, engaged in culture, you know, these aren't just nice platitudes beyond our walls. These aren't just words. These are the core values that drive us. Jesus is our example in all things. Because Jesus is the ultimate servant, we, his followers, ought to be patterning our lives after him. And so this is what we do. We've been doing it from the very beginning, and we're not going to change. Uh, but there's something a lot deeper going on uh, that you might not realize. When you serve those around you, especially your, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, there's actually something deeper happening. And Jesus explains this in Matthew chapter 25. In a couple weeks, we're going to look at the first half. But for this morning, we're going to take a few minutes and look at the second part. Jesus speaks of a future judgment. But his words are really, really interesting. Here's what he says. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and he's talking about his return, and the question should be asked, well, how do we know that Jesus is going to return? Very simple answer. Because he came once. Because Jesus came once, we know he's coming again. So when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels are going to be with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. He's going to take his proper place. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people. People are going to be separated now. One from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So I got curious. I didn't know anything about this. And here's what I learned. At night, shepherds will separate sheep from goats. During the daytime, they can graze. Sheep and goats can graze on the same land. But at night, they actually, they're separated. The shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. 
And the reason why is because goats, in order for them to stay warm on a cold night, they huddle together. Sheep have wool, so they can stay warm on their own. They don't need to huddle together. There's a reason why you wear a wool sweater and not a goat hair sweater, all right? They can stay nice and warm. So the shepherd will separate the goats because the goats have to have their own place where they can come together and they can stay warm, all right? So this is the imagery. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king, many titles for Jesus all throughout the Bible. Don't let them get lost on you. He's king. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Suffice it to say, God has a plan. He's been working that plan since before human history. And whenever God works his plan, he's going to work it to perfection. It's been said that the the gears or the wheels of God, the gears of God grind. Sometimes it feels like they grind exceedingly slow, but they also grind exceedingly fine. Everything that God purposes will come to pass. Amen. For I was hungry. So now you've got these, these, these sheep that are on one, one hand, and they're being separated. And then now you get an explanation of what's going on. He says, because you see, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you? When did we see you hungry and when did we feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or, or, or when did we see you naked and put clothes on you? And when did we see you sick or in prison? And visit you. And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you actually did it to me. You know, just pause for effect. You understand what he's saying? This is a really important point. They say, Well, wait a minute, we, we never saw you in this condition and need. And Jesus says, Yeah, but here's the deal. When you did it to your brothers or sisters, really to any who are in need, it's like you did do it to me. So this is really interesting because this judgment is based solely, it is based completely on one's moral kindness to those who are in need. Let me say that again. This judgment is based solely on one's moral kindness to those who are in need. How are we doing on this one? There's three big takeaways from this story from Jesus. Number one, well, yeah, number one, you can't afford to neglect the coming of Jesus. There are five specific parables that Jesus gives himself where he says, I'm coming back and I can't wait to reward those who have followed me faithfully. It's gonna be an amazing, joyful time. But the words surrounding that are unexpected and sudden. And Jesus' point is, be ready. See, there are certain people who are like, oh, we want to know the times and the dates and all of this stuff. And to them, Jesus says, you know, it's actually a wicked generation that's always craving signs. Isn't that interesting? He says, rather, as for you, just be ready. Just be 
ready for my return. How do we make ourselves ready? That's what being a disciple is all about. That's the first thing. The second thing we learn is that we can't afford to be indifferent to the resources that we have, the resources that God gives us. As the Bible begins in Genesis chapter 12, you get the interpretive key to the entire scriptures, both Old and New Testament. It's what happens when God enters into a relationship with this man named Abraham. And what he tells him is, he says, Abraham, you're my guy. I'm going to be your God. And we're going to have a really special relationship. He says, I'm going to bless you. And then God adds this. Therefore, as I bless you, you are going to be a blessing to others. Because through Abraham, his line, his descendants, the Messiah will come. Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And back in the day, I mean, that was huge. That was the path to blessing. That she would have a number of offspring. Now, let me tell you why I'm doing that. So that you, in turn, can be a blessing to other people. The same is true with you and I. Why does God bless you with your time, your talents, and your treasures? Not so that we can absorb it on ourselves, but so that we can give generously to those around us. Third thing we learn is that we can't afford to be indifferent to the needy people that are around us. On the corner of Frank Lloyd Wright in 101, there are about there are about four individuals who are there regularly. They're on the various corners. And because that intersection is in our backyard, I have personally taken it upon myself to get to know these people. I know two of these four by name. And I've said, hey, listen, here's who we are, here's what we do, and we can help you. God's people have a lot of resources. And we want to use these resources to be a blessing to you. We can help you with your addiction. We can help you with your homelessness. Now, I would love to stand here and tell you that everybody responds positively and affirmatively. They haven't yet. Sometimes it takes time. Pray for them. But see, we have this pond that God has placed to illuminate in. And I'm saying illuminate because it's us. And so if anybody claims to have the very name heartbeat of Jesus, then that person must be about serving those around them. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, the Apostle Paul quotes Jesus as saying, it is more blessed to give than receive. And our culture says, are you crazy? Do you not have that backwards? Oh, you messed it up. Everybody knows it's much better to receive than to give. And so what happens is, Jesus, over and over again, he says, let me talk to you about your time. Let me talk to you about your talents, the things that God has given you your gifts, your abilities. Let me talk to you about your treasure, your money. Because you see, you've been given these things to be a blessing to other people. And 
when you're generous with those things, the most remarkable event happens in your own life. The things of this world that so easily ensnare you and entangle you, they begin to loosen their grip on you. When you realize that God has entrusted you with the finances to be a blessing to others, you become much more open-handed with things and not so tight. You know what's really interesting? Some of the wealthiest people on the planet are also among the most greedy because they want to preserve what they have. Same is true with our time, our gifts, our abilities, all that God has given us. So here's what I want to do next. I'm going to bring up our local outreach pastor, Scott Martin, and some of our friends so that you can hear, not just hear how God is moving through the ministries of Illuminate, the things that you make possible, but more than that, for the Spirit of God to kind of go like this with you this morning, kind of nudge you a little bit, maybe kind of wake you up a little bit, because in the end, this is really going to be the Spirit of God moving on the hearts of God's people to say, this is my next step. We've been praying the prayer, God, what do you want to do in me and what do you want to do through me? So I'm going to have Pastor Scott and our friends come on up and introduce a dear couple, and they're going to tell you a little bit about their story. And along the way, too, you're going to hear more about some of our local outreach partners. Thank you, sir. Right, brother. The difference between lead pastor and outreach pastor is he gets entrance music and I get to walk up here like this. So <laughs> next time I'll take some Sublime or some Pearl Jam or whatever. Uh, my name's Scott. I'm the local outreach pastor here at Illuminate. Uh, and man, first and foremost, if we're going to talk about local outreach and why it's important or why it's special here, the first thing that we got to do is thank the people that make it special. So do me this favor. If you've ever participated in a serve day or treat street or served at one of our ministry partners or I've participated in one of the partnerships that we have, like you're currently a client in one of those programs, will you please just stand up real quick? Some people ask me, they'll say, what's the difference between Illuminate and like another church or whatever? And I say, people get involved here. It's been part of our heartbeat from the beginning that it's not a church that you attend. It's a church that you get involved with what they're doing. Uh, it's, it's important that Christians don't just come and sit in a room and sit near each other, right? It's important that we sit near each other. We have community together and we go out and we like serve those people who are around us, near us, and that God tugs our heart through. Sometimes people ask me, they'll say, Scott, where do you get, like, why do you do outreach the way that you do it? And uh, I get it from one place, and it's been a super important scripture to me ever since I first became a believer. It's the book of James. If I was stranded on one desert island and I could have one book of the Bible, it would be James because I feel like I can understand it, and he uses nice, simple words with, like, small syllables, so it's good for me. Uh, but... He also has some very special words. He's writing to a group of Christians who have been dispersed, have forced away from their homeland to a place where they're not familiar. And to these people, James writes to them about the testing of their faith. And in verse 22, and throw it up there on the old screeners, uh, he has these words. So remember, these people are in a stressful situation. And he says, but be doers of the word and not just hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror and for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. 
And so here's the deal, like that he tells you like, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. And then he gives you this ridiculous explanation of what it's like to be a hearer and not a doer. He said, it's like when you look in the morning, you know, the first thing you go in front of the mirror, no makeup, no nothing, and you see the truth. And like, sometimes you're happy with that. And sometimes you have to turn to the side and like figure it out. But you see the truth when you wake up and you look at it the first thing in the morning, right? And he says, being a hearer and not a doer is like looking at that and walking away and being like, I'm perfect. And it relates to his word because his word is like looking at a mirror. It's like looking at the truth. And being a hearer and not a doer is like reading that word or sitting in the church every single Sunday and hearing Jason uh, like tell you what it says and then not ever doing it. Not ever going and helping anywhere, not knowing your neighbor's names, their kids, what they need. That's why this verse is important because we can't in this day and age be just sitters in a room together. That's not what God's word says. We're supposed to be doers. And, God, and this church has been that. And they've been a blessing to a lot of people because they've been like that. And so we want to show you a couple stories this morning. And I want you to pay close attention because like sometimes we think, oh, like God's doing this and he's doing so much more. So I'm going to bring up a couple friends real quick. Well, uh, the James and Tamara, will you come up here? Give them a hand as they walk up here. There you go. You guys can... Uh, Oh yeah, bring, bring the children, bring the children. You guys can have entrance music next time too, cool. Uh, so this is James and Tamara. I got a few questions for them and I want you to listen closely to their testimony because like God's weaved in through and around it and this church has been a little piece of it and it's gonna be a big piece for the future. So James, let me ask you, tell me how you met Tamara. Uh, I met Tamara my junior year, our junior year of high school. Um, I actually had already dropped out but we had mutual friends um, that you know set us up. Um, I was drinking and partying a lot um, when I met her. We fell in love uh, fast, had kids young. Um, all the while, I was just dig- uh, diving deeper into my addiction. Um, eventually, we split because of it. Um, uh, after we split, I just got into more and more trouble with the law, in and out of treatment centers in jail, and eventually uh, became an IV meth and heroin user. And from that point, how did you find yourself at Teen Challenge? Uh, So, Tamara uh, had a couple guys from Teen Challenge knock on her door. She had already been saved at the time and developed a relationship with the Lord. Um, And she called me. She knew my situation. I was struggling, homeless uh, in Oregon. Um, And she said, you know, I want you to think about going to a faith-based drug and alcohol rehabilitation center. And, you know, I said, yeah, I'll I'll go. And, uh, like... You know, the pastor said it takes time. Uh, it took me about a year to get all my stuff together and finally have enough of the life to um, contact Teen Challenge. I called Tamara and told her I had a bus ticket and I'd be there in three days, and she was not thrilled to see me. <laughs> I, was a, I was a mess. I was 140 pounds, um, just sick, and uh, that's when I began my uh, Teen Challenge journey. Right, and so here's the deal. We usually get this story, and the story we don't get is Tamara's story, the person who is struggling with someone they love who has an addiction, but they don't. And so Tamara, tell us, like, how was it to have him, like, around, gone, and then, like, gone at Teen Challenge? 
Um, yeah, so it was really difficult to have him around and using. Um, I, it was very painful. We had, there was a lot of trials, and um, if anybody in the room has ever been a loved one of an addict, it is, it's extremely difficult, and having to learn to not enable and set boundaries isn't something that we just naturally know how to do, especially if you're an empathetic person. Um, and I actually wasn't a Christian until about eight years ago. And uh, God met me at some of the lowest and loneliest times of my life. And when he did, he transformed me from living in a victim mindset to understanding and embracing um, all of the pain and the trials that I had endured because it made me the person that I am. And I knew that that pain had a purpose. Um, so when those two guys knocked on my door from Teen Challenge, I was like, you know, because of all the spiritual growth that I had had, I knew that this was something that could change James's life um, because I knew that with God, you can overcome anything. So, um, you know, when he entered Teen Challenge, we didn't have any intentions on getting back together. I was there just to encourage him and to help him rebuild the relationship with our girls. And uh, little did I know that God would be working in my heart to soften my heart towards him after 10 years of being separated. And God started working in him and transforming him into being the man that the girls and I had always yearned for in our lives. Um, so in May of last year, James celebrated two years sober, and in October of last year, yeah, yay! This, this is the good part. Keep going. It, it yeah, is a great yeah, part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in October of last year, we were remarried. So, <laughs> praise God. See well, I got one more question. Sorry. Tell me, so what do you, what do you see now as like the future for you and your family now that you guys are back together? Um, the possibilities are really endless, um, but what comes to mind is just being there for my daughter's achievements, you know, being there for graduations, uh, being there to walk them down the aisle when they get married. Um, I really didn't anticipate being alive for any of that, to be honest. And uh, I just have an attitude of gratitude, um, a whole new outlook on life. Uh, and, you know, the Lord, uh, just being in a relationship with the Lord has just uh, done more than I could have ever imagined. It's awesome. And here's the deal, you guys. So, like, they're here at our church on Sunday. They come here. Their kids are in the programs here. I mean, and I hope afterwards you give them both a big old hug. But see, like, the idea is that we see this person that God's transforming, right? The Teen Challenge guy that gets up here and gives his testimony and bears his soul for all you guys. And then you don't always get to see, like, behind that story, God was restoring a whole family. And, you, and we get to be a part of all of that because of the partnership that, that we started with these guys. And uh, we just wanna pray for this family this morning and I'm gonna pray for Teen Challenge. So if you don't mind bowing your heads and close your eyes with me and uh, extend a hand this way and pray for this family. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the coffee family. God, I thank you for the, what you have done in their lives. God, I thank you for James and for Tamara and God, how you've worked in their hearts and how you transformed them to follow you, Lord. And the people that get to be a blessing from, they get the blessing from that are their kids. God, this family and everybody that interacts with him, them from here on out. And God, I pray you bless everything that they touch. God, you give them a million more years of sobriety and he gets to see all of those wonderful things that he wants to see. And God, we lift up Teen Challenge to you. God, and all the people that are out there who have spouses that are struggling with addiction, God, give them strength. God, give them a soft heart, even though they're in a tough situation. And God, we thank you for what you're doing. God, we thank you most of all for everything that you're gonna do and everything that you do that we never get to see. And we love you. We promise in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you. For, thank you guys for sharing this morning. We appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Oh.
congregation. This is why it's fun to have Outreach Sunday when we get to share and celebrate what God's doing. Uh, there's another program here. If you were here during the pandemic or if you were online, we uh, renovated, what's up, baby? Uh, we renovated a house for people that were coming out of addiction and struggling, and that house is fully functional and has some mentors down there, and we did a video, and I wanna share with you uh, like the idea of maybe even think, you thinking about being a mentor down here at this house. Why don't you check out Danny? story as we hear about that program. Uh, my name is Danny Garcia. I'm originally from Miami, Arizona. My wife's name is Shelly Garcia, and uh, she's a nurse at Scottsdale North. And I joined the military, and in 1997, that's the first time I, I met Jesus Christ. There was a guy uh, in the military that would always talk to me about his faith. He would always tell me things about Jesus Christ. Well, finally, when we sat down and actually looked at the Bible, I did realize that I was not going the right path, and I, I, and I accepted Jesus. At that time, I felt elated. I felt, like, liberated. Like, I had really been, like they say, set free. When I left, came back to the States, then I actually got a job as a police officer, and I worked quite a bit, so I wasn't really involved with the church, but uh, I started to attend Illuminate Community Church, where at that time, um, they were very involved with service, go out and help the public. It wasn't just keeping it in the in-house. Uh, Pastor Martin had a program, a vision of a program called uh, Home Stretch, and he said, Dan, I really would like for you to go over there. We're gonna renovate a home. We're gonna do that, and uh, I'd like you to be part of that. So we came, we renovated the, the master's house here at, at uh, House of Refuge. Then Pastor Martin said, hey, we need to get some mentors out there. And, and I thought, no, nah, I can't do that, not me. But the thing is, is that it's not you, it's really Christ that's, that's guiding you and protecting you. My friend Danny is a, is a really good guy. He's been a very encouraging person. He comes through and he's just been a really uh, strong mentor for us all. Uh, I have a lot of love for that guy. And, He's a true man of God, and I, and I have a lot of respect for him. I would say that he does the things he does out of the love of God and just the love of God flowing through him. This is how people know you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So as he's here, you know, sharing love and fellowship, you know, as God says in his word to do, it shows that he's a real man of God and become a really good friend. Um, there's a guy that volunteers his time. His name's Danny. He, he comes and he mentors has kept in touch with me. And he has really come alongside me and helped me grow as a man and, and learn what it is to really be a father and a husband. Kind of like my best friend right now. He really, really picks me up. It means the world to me to have somebody take time and actually want to build a relationship with me. I feel that the relationship has grown so much that I, I don't, they're just not my friends. I love these guys as, as brothers in Christ. I mean, they're, they're friends of mine. When I stepped out of Illuminate to come down here to mentor, I really felt a little scared. I really didn't know, am I gonna do this right? Never done this before? I, I really was afraid. Never think that you can't do it, because, well, in reality, you can't, but Jesus can. So if you can, if you want to take that step, uh, it's written on the walls of the church, beyond our walls. So we need to go ahead and believe that and come out. And that's what Jesus says. You need to go out and be a servant.
Another one of our local outreach partners is alongside ministries. As, as we just read, Jesus says, you know, when did you come? Or the people ask Jesus, when do we see you when you were in prison? Right? And uh, alongside ministries, is just a, they're just super solid, a great group. And they help people as they make that transition out of prison back into society. They have a mentoring program. So I'm going to bring up our friends, James and Daniel, to share a little bit about that uh, with you. James, Daniel, you guys, come on up. Yeah, give them a hand. Will you? Come on up, guys, come on up. Get in the spotlight. Uh, James is, uh, has been a friend of mine for a while, and uh, just uh, appreciate your friendship and your godly example, brother. Love you. Daniel, we're just getting to know. Daniel, tell us a little bit about your story, how you wound up with Alongside Ministries, and what got you into this mentoring discipleship program with, with James. Okay, uh, I just want to start by saying I met Jesus when I was five years old, uh, but uh, I, I was rebellious and I suffered from uh, substance abuse from 12 years old to 37 years old uh, with two five-year prison terms and all out of uh, just rebellion and self-destructive behavior and a choice uh, to do that. But I always had a calling uh, he, he was always calling me in my heart, so I knew that that road wasn't my road. And so I was, despite my rebellion, I was seeking a way out. And this time in my second prison term, uh, I was looking for a place that I knew fit my belief system and ideals. And, and I heard from alongside through a friend. And so I made contact about a year and a half before getting out, uh, and and that's where I got hooked up through alongside and met James. Mm -hmm. So it's been a long, hard road, uh, but all of my own. Mm -hmm. Thank you volition. for sharing that. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Daniel. I know um, James, you you know you have a lot on your plate. You're a businessman. More recently, you're, you know your business has been booming. You have a ton of responsibilities with all of that. What prompted you to make this decision? to enter into this, this relationship with Daniel? Well, <clears throat> I think the older I get in my faith, the more I've been convicted of how comfortable I am. And um, the one thing about Illuminate that um, was very attractive was the ministries that they're aligned with align with kind of the people that Jesus ministered to when he was on this earth. And I just felt convicted. And so um, when Michael of Alongside came and uh, talked about what they did, I just, it's funny is, is that I told my wife that I, uh, I just felt called. And so I didn't know what was ahead of me or whatever, but I went and signed up and, uh, you know, a little scared, a little scared. And, uh, you know, honestly, you know, um, it's easy to be judgmental of people that have, you know, made decisions of prison. And, um, you know, I just kept following faithfully for what God was pressing me in to do. And it's been tremendously rewarding. Yeah. Talk, you guys talk a little bit about that. I mean, how has this relationship, 
impacted you, Daniel, your walk with God? James, same question. How, how have you grown as a result? Daniel, why don't you start? Oh, man. Uh, it's been really vital and important in my life to have somebody to look up to that that's never been down my road, but that knows, uh, you know, that knew the Lord and knows the right way to live. And that's helped me see the bigger picture and understand it from another point of view. Um, and because I was living in my point of view for so long, I didn't know another, another way. So to have James and others in my life to, to point me to that direction uh, and to get to know and experience God uh, is, is vital for me. Mm -hmm. so, and I'm very appreciative of it. James, how about you? I, you know, just let me say, um, I can sense and feel the emotion from you in this, but you know, just speak from your heart on it. You know, uh, like I said, just feeling more and more convicted of how blessing, how blessed I am. Um, you know, I, I, we hear this word privilege thrown out, which you know is overused and un wrongly applied a lot. But in Scottsdale, we are as privileged as it gets. And um, you know, an example would be you know driving down Northern to to Alongside Ministries. You see a lot of people. And I'll be honest with you, our human nature response is to look at those people and go, oh my gosh, what are those people doing? What are they, why'd they do what they do? And you know, the more I've gotten to know Daniel, I know my goal is to add into his life and to help him. He's done that to me so many times over and seeing that, you know, I was only a couple decisions away from college being in the same situation, you know. Um, I could easily have done some pretty dumb things that could have put me in prison. And um, I think I wouldn't have acknowledged that a time, a time ago. And now, to me, it speaks to me greatly. That's good. Appreciate you guys sharing. James, last question. I know you like to do a little UFC commentating. Who's going to win the Teixeira fight? Oh, yeah. He's not. Okay, good call. All right. Hey, will you show some love to these guys, please, man? <laughs> I want to introduce Pastor Steve Johnson. He heads up our global outreach. We'll end our time together with some of the things that he's going to share. You know, uh, COVID has caused a lot of things to just absolutely pump the brakes, you know, and of course there are different um, scenarios worldwide. Some are more locked down, more restrictive than others. And so yet ministry from you all through your generosity is still going forth. So Steve, why don't you take a minute and explain a little bit Thanks, about Susan. that. If you can imagine everything that we just saw over the last 15 minutes, imagine that happening in some of the toughest places on the planet places where people are oppressed by the majority population or the government. That's what's unique about Illuminates, Illuminates Global Outreach. We've decided strategically to go to places where it's not easy to be, where mission trips are not vacations. If you can imagine going to the West Bank uh, or Gaza, or even going perhaps to, to Cuba when it's 95 degrees and 100% humidity in the middle of the summer. Um, that's what we've determined to do. We believe that God, according to Matthew uh, chapter 28, 19, and 20, 
and or 20 and 21, as Jason has been repeating it over and over. The passage says, going therefore. It's assuming that we're going. The command is to make disciples of all nations, literally all people groups. Well, we can't do that as one church. We can't reach everybody. But we can reach the ones that God is, has specifically called us to, to reach out to. So that's why we decided to go for those that the places and people where they're challenged and a threatened minority by the governments or the people. And right now we have five major partners. One of those partners has several ministries we're working with. And when I mean we, I mean you. We can't be there right now. We couldn't do any missions trips this year because of COVID. But because of your giving, we are daily impacting some really, really interesting areas. Let me tell you a little bit about uh, our partners. Um, we partner with Palestine Bible Society, which is in a town called Zababde on the West Bank. And um, they're involved in a lot of different things with our partner, Nishat. They're serving believers with a Muslim background. They're in the midst of constructing a major community center that they're going to use as a, as a focal point to reach out to thousands of Muslims um, right down the street from the first private university in, in, on the West Bank. They distribute Bibles. They're doing after-school programs for kids, vocational training in that community center. And so there's a lot you're doing right now, even as you're sitting here, because they're a few hours ahead of us, so they're already at it today. Um, we also work with uh, our brother uh, Rami Philemon with Jerusalem Evangelism Outreach, and he works in Jerusalem and Judea and, and the Samaria areas. And his focus right now is bringing food blankets, and hopefully jobs to a lot of people who have been knocked out by COVID. Uh, we just got an update from him this week, and he was saying, you know, uh, there's one church right now that's primarily partnering with us to provide this food that these people need right now. There's about 800 Christian believers in Gaza, and you guys are that church. You're providing food, you're helping to provide some jobs, and we're providing people with blankets, especially as, as winter is, is coming on. Um, we also work in Jerusalem. Did you know that you are reaching out to Muslim women through Mezun? Can't give you your last name. But Mezun is working, uh, evangelizing among Muslim women, providing discipleship training, and even counseling um, each, each and every day there. We support Bethlehem Bible College. Right now, you are supporting two pastors in, in training who are committed to serving in a Muslim area in a, with, with Muslim believers after they graduate from Bethlehem Bible College. And uh, that's because of what you're doing right now through your giving. And then on the other side of the planet, this side of the planet, we're working with Convención Evangélica Los Pinos Nuevos, We'll just call them New Pines for short. Um, in Cuba, there are over 20,000 churches in the movement of Los Pinos. And they have 450 buildings, and, and the rest are all churches and homes. And we've been working with them for, for quite a while now through Dr. Norberto Quesada. We call him Pachi for short. That's his nickname. But specifically, we are in the process of planting 10 churches in downtown Havana. We meaning Illuminate. I really hope we get to get a bunch of you on a plane here before too long, get down there. 
but COVID shut everything down, not only in the Middle East, but, but also in, in Cuba. And did you know that right now, today, you will feed 300 people in Havana through Los Pinos? They, three, they feed 300 people a day, 365 days a year. And a large portion of the support that buys that food comes from Illuminate Community Church. So you're sitting here this morning, but God is doing some incredible things through you on other sides of the planet. We just can't go and be there and, and, and hug them and, and, and grab them. So here's our mission trip for 2020. As you walk out this morning, you will see a, uh, a half sheet that looks like this, okay? And I, want, I don't want to encourage you. I want to tell you. I, want to, I wish I could command you. Jason, maybe you can command him when you come back up, okay? Two things. This is your mission trip for 2020. Pray for Gaza because they need it and write to Cuba. We're give, we've given you the names on, on the back of the sheet of the 10 church planters right now that are in lockdown curfew from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. every day of the week and somehow have to figure out how to plant their churches in Havana. And it would be really awesome if you guys, all of you, will grab one of these sheets, take it home, spend a little time, and write an email to one of our church planters. No, write an email to all 10 church planters. And then when you're done, stop and pray for Gaza. Pray for what God's doing in the, in the Muslim world. Because uh, if we don't do it, few other people will do it. It's not pretty. It's hard work. They're not necessarily the best places to be. But because these people are oppressed, that's us. That's Illuminate. We want to go where nobody else really wants to go. And before I close, you know, oftentimes you don't hear back other than through one of us um, how grateful these ministries are for us partnering alongside of them. So uh, I want to share with you just a word of thanks from Pachi Norberto Quesada, who's in Cuba. Muy buenos días, mis queridos hermanos. Para nosotros es un alto privilegio poder enviar este saludo a todas aquellas personas que nos están viendo en este momento. El mundo se ha envuelto en una pandemia que está teniendo una factura muy alta. Y Cuba ha sido parte de esta catástrofe de estos meses. Nuestros pastores han hecho lo posible y casi que lo imposible por rendir en el ministerio. Han sido muchos los contratiempos, ha sido muy difícil el tiempo en lo que nos hemos tenido que involucrar con diferentes estrategias, pero el Evangelio sigue vivo y seguimos publicándolo en este país. Ustedes han hecho un aporte significativo para que retomemos con fuerzas el ministerio. Sabemos que oran por nosotros, sabemos que ustedes están siempre disponibles para escuchar también nuestras, nuestras súplicas y nuestros ruegos. Y el Dios de los cielos ha abierto sus puertas a nuestro favor, utilizándoles a ustedes. Gracias por su aporte. Ustedes han sido una forma efectiva en la que nosotros nos podemos beneficiar para seguir adelante con el ministerio. Muchas gracias por su aporte. 
nuestra historia seguirá escribiéndose con hombres y mujeres como ustedes que ayudan al desarrollo del Evangelio del Reino en Cuba. Muchas gracias. Yeah, so, yeah. And Pachi might be watching right now. Pachi, if you are, hello. You know, really on behalf of all of our ministry partners, both local and global, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for the time that you give. You, you don't need Steve or myself to command you to do anything. We all have Jesus. Amen. We have the good words of Jesus, and so we follow uh, his lead. So I, um, many years ago, Martin Luther King Jr. had his famous I Have a Dream speech. If I was to make one tweak to that, it would be this. Change the word I to we. We have a dream, Illuminate. We have a dream. We have a really big goal that I think we can achieve. We have coming up the first week in November what we're calling Illuminate Serve Week. And it's our desire to get at least 500 people from Illuminate engaged in serving in some way one of those outreach projects serving our city. For more information, stop by the lobby. You can also hit that QR code that's on the seat in front of you. This is what we are called to do. By God's grace, God gets, oh, you've heard the name Illuminate. I don't, you know, someday, I've said it before, I'm going to be like a little a liquid oil velvet painting on the wall, right? I'm going to be gone, right? They're going to be like, who's that guy? I'm like, nobody knows. That's not important. What's important is that we make the name of Jesus famous. This isn't about the name Illuminate. This is about the name Jesus. But for this season, God has called us to this place for his purposes. And so we're making it super simple for you guys to get connected. Hit the QR code, stop by the lobby. All of our ministry partners are out there. By the way, you know, you've provided a bus for the guys from Team Challenge who, among other uses, they use it to join us in our services uh, on Sundays. And that mobile kitchen is usually down there in Sunny Slope, providing hope in the slope. We're giving you a taste of what they provide this morning. All of that is made possible through your, genera through your generosity. And again, on behalf of all of them, we want to say thank you. So join me in praying. Father, this is uh, it's just all you. It's, it's all a work of your, the movement of your Holy Spirit through your people. I count it a privilege to just be one small part of it. What began in my garage five years ago is now expanded all over the world, all throughout our city. And uh, that's a direct result of you, God, just flexing your glory for all people, and we count it a privilege to be a part of it, Lord. As we end our time together, I pray that your spirit would speak to every single person that's in the room, even our ministry partners that couldn't be here, Death to Life Revolution, others. Father, we just pray a special blessing over all of them. We ask it in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and God's people said, Amen.